Uh, JP, you can take a slide, by the way. I don't care if we do this on air. Uh, (laughs) What's the worst that's going to happen? Somebody tells you, you shouldn't do that on air. Like, don't you understand? Shower in prison? Shower in prison? No, I... Yeah. I mean, there's probably... No one wants to hear you talk about that. There's honestly (laughs) enough body hair on me to obscure most of the bad stuff. So Mm -hmm. I don't get too worried about having to blur things out for, you know, the kids and whatnot. (laughs) actually henry wrinkler tried to get me to reverse mortgage my house so i could do a laser hair removal one time i didn't take him up on it yikes Mm. fuck you fonzie (laughs) fuck you (laughs) well we are live oh we are okay cool (laughs) awesome cold open fuck you fuck you fonzie (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> all right no cussing within the first uh 10 minutes of a video uh just kidding i i get my... fucked oh yeah that's right <laughs> <laughs> i couldn't put the words together but there it was um hi everyone how are you doing welcome to another episode of thirsty smurfing thursday uh my name is matt we have ray here and we have ryan uh not ryan dismay uh dismay it is uh, ryan dismay uh, too many, too many people are writing in saying, uh, "Why is he Ryan Dismay?" It's, no, he's not. Oh, really? May. No, I completely made that up. I, oh, okay. I, one hundred percent made that up. <laughs> I, you are tuning in to another episode of of the continuing education uh, classes of uh, as a business owner operator. Okay, so we we started this out with um, with the idea of of pricing lawn care, right, and then. Uh, we teased a little bit and it kind of got derailed because whenever Dr. Shaddix comes on, there's so many things that we want to talk about that it's it's hard to stay on topic. And I swear, even if we had an outline, and this is what we're talking about next time we have him on, maybe have an outline and trying to adhere to an outline. But I don't know if we're capable of doing that uh, because because I, you know how conversations go. They just lead you in, in many different directions. And I, don't, I think even everyone who's, who's watching it, right, just when you hear him talk and uh, he, he gets into something um, as part of an explanation or whatever, and I love the analogies he uses as, as far as putting it together, you know, it, uh, uh, no one wants to ask him to stop, <laughs> right? Uh, <laughs> and, uh, I know I don't. And I'm like, uh, actually, keep going on that. I'm curious. So anyway, um, but we did we did we did talk about some uh, some various inputs and stuff. Um, and uh, this this episode, uh, hang on, let me bring up my notes here. We've got uh, a couple of things that we're going to be covering, right? So when we've started building out a financial spreadsheet, and um, maybe maybe we can at least just go over a uh, a, a cash flow statement and um, and just and just show what that looks like. And, uh, and, you know, show how we came up with that. Right. So J pink, if you're looking at that spreadsheet, you know, we can do like payroll. So we can do two, a, uh, three, a, uh, and we can do five a right. And, uh, and we'll give that as just kind of a general. And then after five, a we'll do six a. Okay. So that would be two, uh, three, um, two, a, three, a, five, a, six, a. And, uh, and then after that, what we're going to do is some things that and, and so you know we're gonna we're gonna start with this idea of what we have in cost and then you know how can we start to improve cost right and one of the things that you can do to improve costs are going to be cogs for example right 
And for those who don't know what COGS are, it's going to be cost of goods sold, right? So if you're an applicator, your cost of goods are going to be uh, the material that you are buying to apply for a customer, right? That's uh, Those are your material costs. So that's going to be the cost of pesticides. It's going to be the cost of fertilizer. And that is a way, as you lessen your COGS burden, uh, that improves, that goes to your bottom line, that increases your net profitability, right? So um, it increases your margins. And and so uh, one of the ways to, to go about maximizing that and uh, is uh, a relationship with a distributor and a sales rep mm-hmm. at your distributor, right? And so mm-hmm. um, uh, what uh, Demay put together a little list here that's going to be good uh, as an outline. And so it's going to oh. be one, how to treat your sales rep, how to find the right sales rep, how to shop and compare pricing, things that factor into pricing from your distributors, which is huge. So that way you get a number back and you don't doo-doo all over yourself and, and put, your, put your foot in your mouth and burn a bridge that, that you may not need burned. Um, and, uh, and so anyway, uh, some other uh, questions that came in too. But uh, maintaining that distributor sales rep relationship uh, because that can work for you. It does not have to work against you unless you're Matt Martin. Um, and so uh, <laughs> I promise you from my mistakes, uh, let, let, we'll, we'll dig more into that. Uh, Jay Pink, if we can kind of start with 2A here, I'll, I'm going to go through this uh, fairly quick. And so what we did fairly, fairly, fairly simply is just throw in an owner's pay of uh of forty eight dollars an hour, and so basically that works out to you know roughly a hundred grand a year and then uh, we've got two um uh full time employees and if you go all the way uh over over to the right there you'll see that each of them are making about fifty grand a year right so the owner's making a hundred thousand a year and then two of your employees are making fifty grand each and so that comes out to an annual total of roughly two hundred thousand dollars then if you look at that balanced out across the year right. Um, you're, you're seeing that that, you know, your overhead just in that aspect alone is going to be $16,000 a month. However, that is not going to be all the costs you incur. And this can be different things, right? So you've got workers comp and I'm assuming a 4% workers comp rate. Um, and that, that is going to depending on, it's going to depend upon your state, your time in business. I've seen workers comp rates way higher than that. Uh, let me tell you, you get a few injuries and claims under your belt. Twelve percent is nothing. Uh, it, just, it is, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> now let me tell you, yeah, some uh, fingers, if, if you, you know. <laughs> if you offer tree trimming, uh, right? So that would be considered high risk. Uh, you're going to be paying a lot more on your on your workers' comp. But you see here, Social Security, Medicare, uh, unemployment tax, you know, state, federal, um, employee health insurance. If you offer that, I just threw it in there at seven percent. Um, you know, so that will work out, you know, you basically you're toughing off $500 each for your employees. So you have a policy that costs $1,200 a month. Uh, you're covering 500. They're paying 700 a month. Right. And, uh, and that's, I mean, that's, that's pretty basic. Uh, and as far as the other employee benefit programs, I could put it in here, I could put it somewhere else, but we'll, we'll consider it like sales bonuses that you're allocating per month. Right. Uh, and you're going to go ahead and assume and budget that they're going to hit that per month, right? All right. So now we can see that even though you're paying sixteen six a month in payroll, 
that is actually costing you approximately $21,514 a month, right? So that that is a little bit more. That is a little bit more, uh, you know, by a tune of uh, of 25%. Um, than what you have budgeted. And I, I can tell you right now that you know, 25%, I'm, I'm really, really shooting low at the, at the hip here. It could be way more aggressive. That 16,000 in all likelihood is probably gonna be close to like 25,000. Uh, that's even before health insurance. So um, anyway, I'm playing super conservative. So everybody's going, oh, well, I'll get this rate in my state, blah, 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 blah. All right, then we'll go over to 3A, um, Jay Pink. And uh, I think hey, uh, uh, this... Real quick, yes. Matt, uh, just quick yes. question. You marked huh? part-time employees, average mm-hmm. hourly is twenty four oh four an hour per employee, right? Uh, uh no, that that is you got two employees. Uh huh. Twelve oh two. Okay. I just want to make sure. No, 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 no. They're they're each making twenty four an hour. So they're making fifty grand a year. Okay. Yeah. Dylan Miller yeah, was no, a little confused on that, and I just wanted to make sure no, 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 clarified. No. They're making $24 an hour. That's why if you look over at the far right, uh, your total for the year for those two employees is going to be $100,000, right? So that means each employee is making $50,000. You, the owner, is making $100,000. That's what you're paying yourself because you should pay yourself. uh, Just like everyone else, you should get in the habit of doing that. Uh, if you're just spending out of the business bank account as if it's your personal checking account, you're yeah. going to go out of business really quickly. Don't do that. Pay yourself. Uh, adhere to a budget. You know, that's a, it's an important thing. Okay. Anyway. Three yes. Yes. Uh, yes. Three A. Thank you for clarifying that. Okay. And so now um, what we're, what we're looking at here is, uh, and I, I would ignore unit sold, but really what I'm, what I'm looking at here is, uh, is going to be total sales. So this is going to be uh, total sales by, uh, dollar amount. Right. And I think what I did with, and let me, let me check what I did is, uh, uh-huh. wait, which one? Okay, so and yes, yeah, so basically, uh, this is going to be uh, your uh, the the number of thousand square feet you treat uh, per round, right? And then that is going to be your total gross revenue in the uh, in the in the line below. And then we are going to assume cogs here is going to be thirty percent because we saw this in what we looked at last time is that you want to be thirty percent or less, right? So let's see what we looked at. If we're at 30%, right? And if you look, if you go all the way over to the right, you are grossing a million dollars a year in revenue, $950,000, right? Uh, and so you are, are doing, uh, what, is, what does that work out to? 12.7, 12.8 million square feet. You're grossing a million dollars. You're spending 330000 a year. In uh, in in materials and your total margin there uh, that that you're uh, uh, quote unquote you know uh, profiting you know EBITDA of course uh, is is going to be six hundred eighteen thousand dollars six hundred nineteen thousand dollars all right now let's go over to a five A all right so um, here we're going to have some just miscellaneous expenses for uh, your business right so we've got advertising. We're going to be on a pretty aggressive advertising campaign because we're trying to grow. 
Um, you know, so we are spending roughly $73,000 a year. If you have a million dollar business, that is less than 10% that you're budgeting towards advertising. That's a small uh, advertising budget, right? Uh, typically you're going to see a recommendation of 10%, at least if you're in ultra grow mode, 10 to 15%, right? Uh, we've got equipment in here and I've, I've left out some really important things, right? Legal and professional services. Everybody should have a, an attorney on, on call <laughs> and, uh, and you know, you should be paying something yearly for that, uh, insurance other than health. Is, so, and I would, what I would put in there would be like a personal umbrella. Okay. Um, and, uh, the rest of it, I kind of baked into the other costs, but, uh, you should, without a doubt, have a personal umbrella. Uh, if you have a million dollar business, you should at least have a $3 million umbrella policy. Um, because again, one of those things, car accident, someone wants to take you to the cleaners because they found out you, you're, you own a business. They will want every fucking dollar out of you that you can possibly get above and beyond what your uh, auto insurance, uh, covers, right? Uh, but we'll cover the big threes here, right? Miscellaneous supplies, so printers, all that shit that goes on, 400 bucks a month, miscellaneous tools, parts, shit like that, right? And I uh, also put, uh, uh, we've got utilities. So what does it cost to keep the lights on? 400 bucks a month to keep uh, electric and, and heat on. That's probably cheap. Fuel, uh, I did that based on uh, the number of miles per truck that was being driven, uh, and then work that into uh, this formula here. So 12,000, 15,000 on, especially during your sales months or heavy production rounds, right? Um, you got, you got three trucks on the road. Um, it, it's not, it's nothing insane uh, to go through a half a tank of gas, if not a full tank of gas a day. And, you know, right now if it cost you know, 80, 80 bucks uh, to, uh, to fill up a tank or heaven forbid you, you not heaven forbid, but a lot of people may be running diesel, right? You might be paying over a hundred dollars a day to fill up. Well, and you got three trucks. Now you're three hundred dollars uh, uh, a day. Uh, maybe, maybe you have someone, uh, coming on and, and, uh, uh, temporarily working, uh, you know, for a few months out of the year and driving a fourth truck, right? Maybe you got four trucks in the fleet. You only have three full-time employees. You got a part-time that's coming on. So I'm probably a little aggressive on the fuel cost here, uh, but you know it could definitely expend over into licensing fees, legal professional services, and all that. Um, as far as five grand a month for rent or lease vehicles, machinery, equipment, if you're carrying a lease on your equipment, you know you've got three trucks and a barn full of equipment. Five grand. We were talking about this before the show is probably nothing insane, right? Um, so. Anyway, uh, we can we can go on. We're we're looking at depreciation. We're we're talking about a commercial loan. So you took a loan out on your building. You're paying three hundred thirty thousand. You pay three hundred thirty thousand dollars on it. You've got a loan on it. Uh, uh, so th- and well, you got a loan on your vehicles, uh, commercial mortgage, uh, credit card that you're using for your business. Uh, all that uh, falls into that. Okay. Now we'll go over to six A. And so let's see what our cash flow uh, uh, statement looks like here. Okay, so we'll say we'll say you're starting the year with no with with uh, just just prepay cash, right? So eighty three thousand dollars. That's your eighty three thousand dollars. Now you have to go produce it. You've got your loan repayments. You got payroll. You got everything else. Um, you you fell short three thousand dollars that month. Uh, it it uh, all right. You go into the next month. Now you've fallen short twenty seven thousand dollars. 
Then the next month, you've fallen short $21,000. Then the next month, you've fallen short $17,000. Then $8,000. Then $8,000. Then $16,000. Then $26,000. Then $16,000. And $11,000. And at the end of the year, you feel so good about everything you did because you lost $217,000 on a million-dollar business. <laughs> you have a million dollar business and you lost $217,000. Try real hard. Though. Three. Yeah. Uh, so I hope, <laughs> I hope this starts to make you think about things a lot more as we go on and we get further into this, right? We'll see that uh uh as you know how do you have to button this up financially to go from making a $200,000 a year loss a $200,000 a year profit so um yeah you you're right english uh it it is this it's not just payroll right you know payroll you you'd save $100,000 if you did it all yourself so you're still losing $100,000 a year so there's a lot of debt out there that you're having to pay that feels fine because you're only making monthly payments on it. But in reality, in the grand scheme of things, uh, you're not, you're not, you're not cash flow. You're not cash flowing a business. So um, anyway, all that to say is that no, chances are probably a 30% uh, cost of goods uh, for your lawn care business. Is, 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 even if you have a million dollar grossing lawn care business, is not is not okay. That's that's not okay. So, let's talk about what we can do, what we can learn about, um, how to handle your sales rep and distributor relationship, and uh, comparative pricing, competitive pricing, uh, to start softening those cost of goods to improve those cash flow statements. I'm going to turn this over to you, Demay, uh, since you kind of generated this list, and then we can we can we can kind of filter in our own personal experience if you kind of want to dive through it. Well, so uh, the reason this came up, and I can't remember if it was in the Discord or on one of the Facebook groups, I saw something about you know um, I'm you know I'm getting screwed by Site One and um you know to give me give me a bad price on something oh 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 it was one you know i go in there for one sales sales guy and he gives me one price but i go to another guy and i get a different price at the same branch okay now yeah that that's a that's i'm not going to say that's a common occurrence but it certainly could be right i've even had Mm -hmm. shit i i had that happen to me this year um at a different distributor right prices different between uh you know two different sales reps things like that so i thought it would be good to talk about that and smoothen those things out so the very first thing i'm going to say is that if you do not have a personal relationship and i what i mean by that is they know about you you know about them you understand the way that they sell and they understand the way that you buy right uh if you don't have that type of relationship with at least one vendor then you're doing yourself a disservice and this 30% can get away from you very very quickly okay 
And furthermore, the reason that's important. Now you might say, Hey, I'm only a one man band. I've only got, you know, one other guy helping me out. We're small. We only do, you know, 200 K 300 K 500 K a year. We're not a big boy. They're not going to listen to us. Bullshit. Okay. It doesn't always have to do with the volume of business. Now there are some places, some distributors that it is completely based on that. And you need to know who those are and work around that. Right. If you're smaller, right. Don't let that hold you back. Uh, and that's the thing is, uh, don't fall into that trap. Well, if I, you know, if I sell more, I'll get better pricing. I'll have better buying power. That's true to an extent. It's definitely <laughs> true to an extent. But the other part of that equation is something we've talked about on this show for goddamn near three years. Is Matt Martin said it best, and I thought this is one of the this is one of the great quotes or thoughts or whatever you want to call it of all time on the show is that the day you know you've made it is the day that you can walk into Site One or any of the other places and tell them what you want. Not be sold something, not be suggested something, not be reminded, oh, hey, have you thought about none of that? You know what you want. You know why you need to use it, when you need to use it, and what you need to use. Okay. And that's a tough thing. It's not saying that you need to know every single thing in your program front to back like that right off the bat. That's not the point. Okay. Uh, I think the other part there too is that, you know, we sit here and caveat, we don't know everything or even anything close to approaching everything. Uh, and it seems like sometimes I've had people come up uh, online or, you know, when we go to uh, the live show uh, in Louisville or whatever and say, oh, gosh, like, how do you guys know all this stuff? It's like, well, one, we don't know a whole lot. We've just fucked up enough to figure out some stuff, right? And we were, in a, we were all beginners. We were all beginners once, too. We have just uh, collectively and respectively had uh such a curious and psychopathic nature about all of us again collectively and respectively that we've continued to try right so uh what's the what's the saying ray dumb enough to try stupid enough to not quit pretty much pretty much that's us and uh ryan i gotta tell you that this topic is just so important and it's so relevant to i think everything we've been talking about for the last few months about putting together a program that makes sense agronomically and that works and the reality is is that oftentimes that program that works and makes sense is miles zip codes and time zones away from what people are often sold and what i gotta say is i'll second that in that you have to get to that level where you walk into a vendor's office and they're already thinking oh shit it's him god damn it it's him it's like yeah. Uh, yeah, because uh, I get that reaction, by the way, even though <laughs> I'm a, no, I'm a small guy, right? And I am not servicing a hundred accounts a month, even. And I get that reaction where it's like, oh, Lord, it's Ray. <laughs> you know, well, oh, Lord, he's here. I mean, yeah, that's. 
And it's not because of sales volume, Ryan. It's mm-hmm. not because of that at all. It's because I didn't get to look people straight in the eye and say, hi, guys, you got this, 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 and this? You got it? Yes or no? <laughs> I'm not in there hemming and hawing and saying, um, let's see, I, uh, I don't know what what's good for fertilizer this month, or uh, what uh, what do you suggest for that uh, kylinga or broadleaf weeds or all oh, crap? I have uh, I have large patch come up. Uh, this is what, this is legitimately what, what I I would sit in distributors and listen to the conversations that would go on, oh, partly yeah. because I'm psychopathic, but the other reason is that. It's a genuine curiosity of how people think, right? You'll walk in yeah. and this this is what this is what you hear. What's uh what's everybody doing right now? Oh God. Oh boy. <laughs> and it's gonna oh, be like fudge well, me. Everybody's doing the twenty four oh eleven with biosolids and uh everybody's spraying solitaire right now. <laughs> like, right, oh, what is that uh what is that twenty four oh eleven a bag run? Uh, yeah. mm-hmm. 28, 28, uh, 2853. <laughs> what is the, uh, what does the, uh, the solitaire go for? Uh, well, you remember the use rate is one pound an acre. And, uh, and so it comes out, uh, I think, I think it's like a hundred dollars a tub or whatever, but you know, it's, that's covering hundred dollars a bottle, hundred dollars yeah. an acre. There, there you go. You know, yeah. I, oh. There you go. Oh, so it's a hundred bucks. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, okay. All right. I'll do, I'll do a tub of that. And man, let me go ahead and get like, uh, I'm gonna get eight bags of the 2411. Right. And then <laughs> that is 99% of people that come in exactly Matt, what you hear. And it's the exact same conversation over and over. Matt, you know what? It's funny. You should mention that because when I am behind the line of a lot of these, uh, lawn and landscape people, I get to hear the same thing, and in the meantime, I'm having to refrain from snapping, okay? Really, I'm having to refrain because... Well, I think, conversation... I think it's a perfect, a perfect example of when, if, if, you, if you walk in, and that is the thing you say, I'm going to tell you right now, you are leaving, you're, you're leaving money on the table, one, and two, mm. you're setting yourself up for failure, right? And I, mm-hmm. and I will mark. say that is one, yes, you are the mark. You are 100% liable for what happens to you if you come in and you ask what everybody's doing. That is your fault, and <laughs> you, you are not doing yourself any favors. I'm, I was going to say you deserve it, and then I was like, that might be a little bit too harsh. It's not too <laughs> harsh, actually. You do deserve what happens that if, if your method of taking ownership of your business is walking into a distributor and asking what everybody else is doing, then that's that is not taking ownership of your business, right? You have to be better than that, and it's okay if you've done it before in the past. Trust me, I'm 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 talking to myself when I say this. Look, I was there too. I have done that before. When I first opened my business, I remember sitting down with my Helena rep and asking him exactly what did a company here? What does volunteer apply? It's the first thing out of my mouth. Why? I don't know. I didn't know what to say. I didn't know how to approach the relationship. I, I didn't know. 
And, uh, and so it just, it was word vomit that came out. And then, you know, I let that go for a long time, but it kind of became like an over, it was an icebreaker. It was easy to, to get people talking to me. And it took me a year to figure out that that is not the way to approach this at all. Right. And, and I did not handle it right from that point forward, but all of that to say, is that if you come in and you say that you are doing yourself a disservice, you're doing your business a disservice, and you have to get better than that. Doesn't mean you you have to be on the show teaching us what we need to be doing level, uh, but you personally have to make the commitment right now, right fucking now, not tomorrow, not next season, not yesterday, right fucking now that you are going to be better than that. Okay. And if you, if you think that's too much for you, you need to either hire someone to take over that responsibility to be better for it. Or if you think you're okay, just operating that way, you need to get the fuck out of business, period. And as I am not going to sugarcoat that at all, you need to get the fuck out of business and you need to get the fuck out of this industry. All right. What's next? Thank to you. Make, to walk us through this. Walk us through this. <laughs> I mean it. There should be there should, I mean there should be like a like a motion activated <laughs> television in front of all the the site ones in America with that speech attached to it right before you know that pep talk before you go out there. And I see you multiple know, it's, people it's, commenting. It's, you know, every every industry is like this. Any business really, and that and that is the god honest truth. And and, and that's why I say that is that it, yeah. You, you, when I say get the fuck out of the industry, I don't mean move to another industry and open your own business there. You need to be a W two employee. Okay. And there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing no. wrong with being a W-2 employee at all. Uh, if I didn't have a business partner, I would have to be a W-2 employee through and through. Uh, so I'm not saying that to slight you. I'm saying that to be tell you the God honest truth that, again, it's strive to be better and you work every day harder towards being better or you fucking get the fuck out. Sorry, I interrupted you, Demain. No, no, no. I think uh, <clears throat> on that note, uh, here's the here's a good way to put it. Okay, and I think this is what Matt is trying to say is that there are a, a lot of people that get into this because the path to entry is fairly low, and that's that's a great part about this industry. It really is. It can be a detriment, but I think it's it's a great part about this industry. The other thing is is that you see people that are really really good at sales, marketing, or both right that get into this industry and i would tell you that you have to work probably as hard or maybe in a little bit harder to stay up on what you're selling and why you're selling it and how you're going to deliver on what you're selling so that you can do all those things better than anybody else can david clausen said it best here in the comments you know the the, the path of scaling is doing the same shit right over and over and over and over again for a period of at least two years before you can think about, you know, expanding or anything like that. And here's the other thing too, is that we said it before on the show, there's nothing wrong with staying small. So from a sales rep perspective, right? If all you're doing is bouncing around and either constantly price shopping, I'll tell you a story about something I heard this week that, that, that'll just, just blows my fucking mind. And another reason why I could never be in product sales. So, um, but here's here's the deal is that if you are bouncing around from place to place to place, try and find somebody that you can gravitate to, that you can have a conversation with, you can sit down over a meal, beer, cup of coffee, whatever, and just converse with this person, right? And let them share with you 
what they know, right? Because if they're genuine, they're honest, they will try and help you, right? And I think those are the, that's the thing. What's the what's the old Mister Rogers quote? Ray, find the helpers, right? Find the people find that are willing helper. to help you. Find yes, the people that are willing to help helpers. you because there are there are shit bags out there, mm-hmm. and there are people. And, and and Matt makes a great point, man. I have gone into not, and I'm not just picking on site one. I've gone into a variety of distributors over the years, and I've heard some of the guys at the counter, right? And this is also people, the outside sales guys too. And I've heard them suggest things, and I my reactions at some points have ranged from are you sure about that? To all the way to I've walked over and said, don't fucking do this. I've been that guy. I've been, I, I, I will have that uncomfortable conversation. Like, please, I, I hear what you're saying, buddy, but that's not what you should be doing right here. This is, this is bad news. Just hey, walk away. I mean, I mean, that's where I've had that kind of thing where I have the kind of relationship with my vendors such that when they have one of those people before me that doesn't really know what they're doing and it's like turf or ornamental related at which point i've had them honestly say on the other side of the car most race thank god you are here thank god because then you know we can have a you know thirsty thursday type condensed five minute conversation about a good way to go about something that one not going to get the guy fucking in trouble and two it's going to work you know i mean and, i've had people tell me you know that my vendors have literally told me oh ray thank goodness you're here because this guy doesn't know and <laughs> we just sell products we're not <laughs> You know, we don't do this. So here, you tell them what's up. <laughs> and, and that's so okay. It, go ahead, go ahead, Matt. Go ahead. I was just going to say one thing, and I think this is going to lead into what you say. Like, you know, again, if everybody has their specialty in, in business as a business owner, right? Like, you might be really good at sales. You may be really good at negotiating deals. You really may you may be really good at negotiating prices with suppliers, whatever the case may be. But exactly like you commented on what Dave said, that that for two years, you have to be really good at doing the same thing over and over and over, right? And, and that when you hear me use the term relentless execution, shout out James for sharing that with me because I, I just embody it so much. It's like, okay, I, I have seen good sales guys in, in lawn care that all they do is sell accounts and they never get out there to spray them. They never mm-hmm. get out there to spray them. And they can sell a thousand accounts and then they treat 300 of them on the year. And I'm like, why didn't you do the rest of them? I, I just, man, it's too much, man. I, could, I couldn't do it. You know, it's, it's crazy, right? So at some point, right, you, you, before you scale, before you think about selling a thousand accounts, right, you have to be able to produce exactly what you're capable of selling. And you have to be able to do all of that over and over and over because before you consider scaling, right? So sell 200 accounts, treat 200 accounts, be there for every service call, be, send an invoice after every treatment. You have to do that. Log it in your book. Be able to make sure that if, if Tennessee Department of Agriculture, whatever state you live in shows up and asks to do an inspection, you've got your percent use dilution on it. Get into relentless, uh, relentlessly executing at that over and over and over. 
once you're capable of doing that. And you may learn, I'm not capable of doing that alone. I got to bring someone else in. That's fine. You figured it out. Now you can start thinking about how I'm going to grow, right? But you, for, for two years, you 100% have to nail that down. Because if it doesn't all click together, you're not going to be cash flow positive. You're not going to cash flow your business at all. So you have to nail those down. Every fucking one of them over and over and over. You know, there's so many times what I love about, about in my industry in, in manufacturing, right? I can go sell a shit ton of, of, of work, right? I can sell a million dollars in work, no problem. But when do I get paid? I get a portion of it when I start I, and I get the rest of it as it delivers, okay? So I may have a book of business that's $6 million, but until I produce all that, I'm not collecting $6 million. So what the fuck does it matter that I've sold if I'm not producing? You At some point, you have to produce exactly what you sell. And I think that just nailing all of it, so and I, I went on a tangent there, Demay, but... No, you're good. I you're good. Put, put And break this into exactly like you were talking about, people who are who are hell-bent on price shopping and getting so hung up in price shopping, it inter- interferes with the rest of those uh, action items that, that they have to cross off the list. And I think that's the thing, is that the, the, the goal here is, one, if you're always shopping for the absolute lowest price, then you should expect the minimum of service and the minimum of deliverables beyond just the product from your suppliers. Absolute, without question. I'm sure it goes for other industries, but that's the facts, right? You are not just paying for that bag of fertilizer. You're not just paying for that tub of solitaire. And if you are in a situation where you feel like that, I would first speak up, you know. And if you're, if you don't like having uncomfortable conversations or whatever, don't do it. You know, just go somewhere else. That's the easy thing. But uh, if you like the prices, but you feel like you're not getting what you want, talk to somebody. And if they tell you to, you know, basically go fuck off, then fuck off, right? There's more than one place to buy in many situations, okay? So how you treat your sales rep, right? Again, being able to have a rapport with that person, at least one in your market. The more that you have, the more help, the more lifelines you're going to have when things go wrong. And here's the other thing is, uh, they're all big boys. They will get butt hurt a little bit that you're shopping around, that you've you know you, you've got somebody else's bags of fertilizer in your shop when they come to make a delivery or something like that. But you know, the ones that are cool will remain professional about it. And the ones that don't, mm-hmm. again, they're people. They're people. And if you, I, I mean, I've had to say that before, you know, like uh, I, I've had a situation. This is back in my golf days. I had a guy walk into our chemical building. There's, I don't know, probably half a million dollars worth of shit sitting in there. And most of it's not his. And he's got some niche products that I like to buy. And he sells all this other stuff too. But you know, he walks past, well, how come I don't get an opportunity on this? I said, because that's not what I need nor want to buy from you. I know what I want. I know where I want to get what I, what I've got there. And that's, that's it. So, you know, I'm, I'm happy to continue buying this stuff and any new stuff that you, you know, bring to me that you think is worthwhile because you know what we do and how we operate and how we manage turf, but that's it, you know? And, And honestly, like, I think there's so much of, the resentment and the distrust and um, the acrimony, bad feelings, right? That comes from shit that doesn't get said. 
and this is true in any professional or personal relationship, anything like that, but I see it so often, you know, uh, in my work now, and not just with sales reps, but internally shit like that. Like you get pissed oh, off yeah. about the shit you don't talk about hundred percent. Think about it. Think about That's the shit you're pissed off about. It's very rarely something that somebody has said that has pissed you off and kept you pissed off for a very long time. You hear something, you process it from that person, you deal with it, and you move on. Treat your sales reps the same way. If they do something to piss you off, say something about it. Be a fucking man, be a fucking woman, right? And own that situation, okay? So, uh, you know, t- sales reps are taught to own the customer, right? And that doesn't mean, like, oh, I'm going to sell you on, on as high as margin product as I possibly can, whatever. That just means that I'm going to do everything in my power to win their business, earn their business, and keep their business, okay? And that goes both ways, right? So if you are making unreasonable demands, okay, this is another thing about treating your sales reps right. Uh, Christ, I've heard so many awful complaints. Uh, Ray, there aren't enough yellow prills in my pre-emergent fertilizer. I need there to be more yellow prills because I need to see it better. Why don't you put more yellow right. pills in? You fucking you know, dick. That is where the way I treat these vendors is okay. All I all I ask for is have product availability. Yep. Have it at a reasonable non bend me over without lube type pricing and you know just be honest and also please don't get upset if it just so happens that another vendor has the product at a lower price and at the same time i've i've had to have this convo with other vendors where i've told them the reason why you're not my primary vendor is because you do not have product available. That's bottom line. You know, you just don't have product available, so I can't. Uh, I can't do this because, as a smaller operator, for example, do you think I have room for or the capabilities to, for example, cover an entire pallet of Armada? For example, do you think I can do that? No. I mean, so that is where you need to be reasonable and transparent with a vendor and just tell it like it is. Because I I often get asked, hey, uh, I notice you're going to that to that guy, and I say, yeah. And the reason why I, I'm going to that guy is because you do not have product in stock. I mean, sorry, <laughs> you know that, that's just how it goes. I mean, it, it, getting those getting those orders in ahead of time. I think that's another thing is buying strategy. We could talk about that here towards the end, but Matt, let's just talk about one part of it here real quick. For for you guys in your experience, what would you say is a reasonable amount of time to order? large quantities right let's say you know mm-hmm. more than a couple cases of a, a, a liquid product chemical or otherwise and more than a couple pallets of bagged product what's a uh, reasonable six, lead time six months is 
probably normal right now. That that long? Like if I want to get like a like a whole truckload, I've got to put that order in six months in advance. Yeah, uh, so. and because I, I would. So and, and you got to think. Typically, like what we're not selling to. We we don't do business typically with with end users, right? Oh. So we're we're doing we're doing like two for a distributor, right? So it is it is manufactured to order, um, and uh, and so um what we ask is that it come to it with a with a six month lead time and then we will try and get it in before three months um and but but there are there are some times that it's it is it is just not 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 probable right if i if i was a reseller right so say you want to source something that i don't manufacture but i use it as a raw ingredient right and uh and so i can go source that material and the only thing i have to do is put it in a package for you a reasonable amount of time is going to be four weeks. Okay. Uh, but if it is something that is a, an actual manufacturer to order product, right. That has to go through a manufacturing process and in a, in a liquid form, does it, ha- is it cold blended, right? Like if I, am I getting potassium acetate, UAN and, uh, and, uh, uh, uh iron sulfate and cold blending that into a, into a liquid hundred percent a month, you know, that's, that's a reasonable amount of time to get that turned around. Uh, but if it's something that uh, just due to the price you want it at and the volume you want, say you want 6,500 gallons in, in totes of, uh, of a UAN, uh, K-acetate, you know, ferrous sulfate, uh, mm-hmm. even though it is cold blended, you're talking about 6,500 gallons, right? Um, and say you need it at a price point. I need this at less than uh, $16 a gallon in totes. Well, the only way to do that is that if I'm reacting my own K-acetate and then I'm producing my own ferrous sulfate liquid concentrate and then cold blending it, right? It's the only way I'm going to make that, make that number work. Now, all of a sudden, we're back to that six-month lead time because that actually has to go into manufacturing process, right? So, um, yeah, I, I would say if it is a genuine manufactured product, uh, then a six month lead time. If it is a pass through product or uh, a, what I would consider like a raw material or a blending material or a base material, uh, that would be that's probably a month lead time. That's fair, and I think in the end user case, right? Like if we're talking about larger quantities, I mean, it, it, I think you should be in absolute minimum, absolute minimum, uh, two weeks out. And that's that's really stretching it. I mean, I think you should be in that four to eight week window comfortably, if not sooner. And, uh, you know, the more that you can let those folks know what you think you're going to be buying and try to get pricing, you know, further out. So even if you don't have the cash to buy those rounds, if you can just kind of forecast, you know, for forecasting, your rep, what you man, let me tell you how important forecasting is. Right. So. And this is where this is where you know the relationship in buying history can can come into play, right? Uh, you, and this is how it can go well, and this is how it can go poorly, right? Uh, for three months, you come in and you buy the same thing over and over, and and typically, you know, a good sales rep will tell you, will ask you on the front end, you know, what will be your frequency of buying this, and you'll be like, ah, probably every month, I'm going to be buying the same order. Uh, okay, from what months? Uh, March through October. Okay, great. 
I can make a middle note of that. I can tell my supplier or if I'm the manufacturer, okay, I need to allocate that much time to do this, right? Uh, even if they say, hey, in in April, uh, you know, look, our sales season is not going real well. I'm going to say June and July. I'm going to come up short on that. Perfect. Great. No problem. Gotcha. I don't mind that. But that bad news is good news because that allows me to pivot to put something else in its in its place, right? Okay. Let me tell you where it can fail really quickly is uh, you say that you're going to buy this every month. And then the day before uh, you're, you're going to uh, uh, ex- expect it to be delivered. I expect it to, to be shipping out. You say, oh, no, no, I'm probably not going to need it the rest of the year. Oh, yeah. Let me tell you, whether you come to me and you say, look, I need 10x that order and I need it tomorrow, I'm going to tell you to go fucking pound sand. Uh, because all it took is is a, a, a just be honest with me on the front end, right? Mm-hmm. And it is going to go so much better. Bad news is better than hopeful news, okay? Um, and I, I can't tell you how many uh, uh, oh man, I this has happened to me so recently, and I'm I'm not going to get into the details of it, but um, no, you know, so no, where no. literally six months in advance was forecasted to uh, to uh, occupy six months of production, and when it came time to, it said, actually, sorry, we're not going to need anything on mm-hmm. the day, on the day. And that, that is, I mean, so regardless of how good of a partner you are, when you put someone in that kind of, of cash flow position where now they have to cash flow their business with the time they allocated to you, with the money they allocated to you, uh, um, uh, in, uh, whether you have a contract or not, because, all right, you got a contract, you sue them for it. How long is it going to take you to get your money? What if it puts them out of business? Do you do you win if you put them out of business and then they they default on everything and then out of bankruptcy you end up getting what a forty thousand dollars out of your uh, out of your six hundred thousand dollar contract? Did you <laughs> did you walk away with anything? Did you feel better about yourself? So uh, it's you know you, you gotta you gotta get, that can work out. So my my point being. My point being is that it is perfectly okay to be really upfront with exactly where you are. If you think you're going to come in and tell them just getting truckload quantity prices, truckload quantity prices, truckload quantity prices, and then buying eight bags, you, you are, are going to get put way so list. far into the shit list that you will never have an opportunity to get out. You probably, you probably turn into like and scat at that point. I mean, you'll be there so long. Mm-hmm. How else you know, are you going to get gratified in that environment? And this is, this is where we got to talk about actually like being a bit organized so that uh, you don't put your vendors into that kind of horrific situation all right i mean this because and then bitch i'm in such a 
Yeah, and then get mad at them because I'm in such a position where literally, I think because all of my vendors have been screwed over before by, you know, disorganized, you know, cucks that what they do now tell people is anything special order, guess what? We bring in the entire freaking pallet. Whatever it is, no, entire freaking pallet, and you prepay for it. How's that, Matt and Ryan? And that is why, and that is why, for example, I often get asked by other people, how do I get a hold of certain specialty products? I tell them, I can't do it through the regular vendors because the regular vendors have been so burned so many times that they will only bring in entire pallet quantities of something like, for example, Matt, can you imagine having to pay for an entire pallet of Emesapir 2L? Can you imagine having to do, can you imagine having to do that? That's the kind of situations that I'm in where, you know, I, I've been I've asked for it, and it's like, oh yeah, we can bring it in for you. But uh, Ray, uh, you do understand that you're gonna buy that entire pallet, no, and you're I, paying I, for it. <laughs> you know, and I think I think this is another thing that we can cover about it, what you expect if you're from from your distributor too, right? Is okay. Mm. A lot of people operate their business out of their home, okay. And when you operate out of your home, your storage space is limited, right? And Mm -hmm. you may go through three pallets in a round, but you're only warehousing one of your three pallets that you're going to consume for that round. So that means you're asking your distributor to warehouse 66% of your inventory. Whether Mm -hmm. you like it or not, if you're occupying their floor space, you're paying for it. Okay. Space is not free. It is not free. Uh, the more things that are in my warehouse, the more my anxiety goes out, the more bills I write for people who have to hold things in my warehouse. I mean, the more invoices I write. So mm-hmm. you, you, you have to approach it this way, right? And that may be one of the de- determining factors you make with your distributor or your sales rep is that I can only carry 20 bags at a time. I'm going to go through six pallets in a round. Let me find a... Um, uh, let me find a distributor that doesn't mind holding those five pallets as I go through it over a period of eight weeks. And just understand, you're going to have to pay for that, right? Uh, because right. you may be able to get it for $14 a bag from vendor A, right? But you have to take delivery of it all at one time. Or you get it for eighteen fifty a bag from vendor B, but... You can only get, go pick up your 20 bags or whatever you're going to use on the day, and uh, and it saves your life and your ass. But if you see that 1850 and you don't take that into account, and then you start raising cane that this motherfucker's giving it to you for 14, you're bending me over a barrel for 1850 <laughs> over here. Fuck you, man. Fuck you. Doesn't, it doesn't mm-hmm. work that way, right? Like you got no, well, to be a little more reasonable mm-hmm. on that. Mm-hmm. Here, here's another thing, too, you know, going off of that and also the forecasting thing and why this is so important. How many times do it it just right there, Matt, great example. How many times do you get pissed off about a singular product? Well, he gave me to me for, okay, 
you gave it to me for a fourteen dollars bag. You got it for eighteen fifty. Okay, so let's talk about things that go into pricing, and then how you can better negotiate pricing with your mm-hmm. vendors. Okay, so things that go into pricing, right? First thing is what the cost of goods was. We just talked about cost of goods in Matt's spreadsheet. What the cost of goods was when that distributor brought that particular product onto their books, right? And we've seen this with fertilizer, right? So we saw this on the front end. Remember, we were talking about fertilizer prices two years ago and how crazy things were getting. Mm-hmm. We saw this hockey stick-like yeah. curve and we said, man, buy now because the shit that comes into the warehouse six, 12 months from now is going to be expensive, okay? And what else did we say at that time too? When we go down the ski slope, it's going to be the other way around. The shit that is sitting in the warehouse is going to be exorbitantly expensive and the new product that comes in, right? So kind of like the accounting method of LIFO and FIFO, right? We're looking at right now the bags that have been sitting there long on inventory, especially, are going to be a problem, right? So that's one thing, right, is when this stuff came in and uh, so Venture Zone is another one right now. Dismiss as a as an agency product is exorbitantly overpriced but that's where they came in the market as it now there's a bunch of off patent stuff in there and it's ridiculously more uh inexpensive and so people like fmc and these companies are getting banged up on this stuff right and uh, <laughs> you're seeing this in, in in all walks of it so the first tool i'm gonna tell you here and the guys i'm sure will agree with me is be flexible a little flexible on those product choices yes you can know what you want but you also have to know what your pivots are to say Man, okay, if you've got 18, 24, 12, and that shit's, you know, $40 a bag, but you got triple 19 sitting over there that's new, that's fresh in because we roll through triple 19, like, you know, it's going out of style and that stuff's $27 a bag. I'll figure out my rates and we'll be okay. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm, I, you know what I mean? That, that, that's a, that's a pivot point, right? So think about, okay, hey, what else that you have, do you have that the ratio, is relatively the same and then i'll figure out the you know the cost per thousand cost per acre and sort of figure out if it makes sense to do that right if that pivot is worth it so that's that's one aspect of it okay one when does that product come in what are your options there the other thing and why this forecasting thing is so important is because of this right so let's say that it's a singular product that i'm really worried about right about how you're fucking me on four dollars a bag okay here's a real life example okay uh, this was told to me by uh, secondhand through somebody I know. I'm not going to divulge names or anything like that. But basically, uh, what happened was there was a, uh, a a lawn care company that is doing you know into the the mid uh, seven figures, right? And they come to their sales rep and they say, "Hey, I want you to give me tote pricing, right? So you know the larger the container, the big 250 gallon totes. I want you to give me tote pricing." on two and a halves on three-way because <laughs> our other distributor is giving that to us that same deal and i want to see if you can match or beat it and sales reps like i can't fucking do that you know that's like three dollars a gallon and we're talking like five thousand gallons of product like you're you're, you're nuts okay but here's what happened right so having those uncomfortable conversations is okay at a broader scale right if you think that you got fucked or whatever and having those, but you also need to hear the other side of it, right? So the other side of it is this, is that, okay, maybe again, it could have been one of those pricing issues of when something came in inventory, what the floor price is on that product, whatever the case, right? The floor price, the lowest price they can sell that for. The other thing though, is that, do you really want to trip on your dick for one product, right? That's going to save you what I equated to like, 
51 cents or something like that, a thousand, right? Over the entire course of their program. That's nothing in the scan in the grand scheme of things. So while it seems like, oh man, I'm getting a great deal, I'm gonna save fifteen hundred bucks on this product. Is that worth it, right? So here's what I would say from a negotiation t- standpoint. You forecast out everything that you need, okay? Say so you get some pricing back from one vendor, multiple vendors especially. And then you go to that vendor and say, hey, listen, you're a little bit higher on some of these products. You're in the ballpark and you're a little bit lower on some of these. Where is there room to work to get my total price down, right? So just like when you go to the car dealer and motherfucker starts talking to you about, well, well, we'll see if we can get your monthly payment down here to like 350. We'll get you out the door. No, I don't care about my monthly payment, dog. I care about my bottom line price for all the shit I need for the entire year. Okay. Now, and just to make Matt's point, you can't go back and fuck them over. You can't go back in there and say, well, gave that price for, you know, 24 skids and, <laughs> eh, you know, some people canceled. I only need one skid now. <laughs> you're going to end, end up on the shit list and addicted to a stream of Pornhub scat films. I, I can't help you there. I can't do it. <laughs> um, and if you're in Utah, you have to show your ID for that stuff. So be careful, guys. Um, so the point to be in Ohio. Is- <laughs> soon to be in ohio what are you gonna do uh they don't want it they don't want to know the um i think the thing there though is that there is going to be room to work on specific products right where they can maybe lower and give that rep that opportunity to say hey again on a per product basis yeah maybe you save me three four bucks but there's other places where you could be you know higher right and maybe have some more room to work within the pricing scheme in there so that's another negotiation tool to try and figure out how to get that overall program and your overall COGS cost, right? We're talking about that 30% in the budget, a way to massage that and get it down. All right. Service. Real quick here. Let me go back to our, our notes. I'm losing my place here. No, um, um, are you going to talk about services? Uh, another thing that you have to take into consideration, and I'm, and I'm 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 gonna play the part of this that you have to understand why you you pay certain things right. Here's a couple of situations that all right. So distributors aren't necessarily buying from manufacturers. Some do, not all of them. And the in in the, I'll explain a little bit about how this goes right. So um, at you have a manufacturer and then typically if you're dealing with commodities, right, you have a broker and the broker is the one who's negotiating between a manufacturer and then a distributor, or a lot of times it'll go to like a buying group and then the buying group to a distributor, right? There's a lot of hands there. The broker is buying everything cash up front. Okay. Say, say he's got 10 customers, two of them are distributors, and four of them are, uh, are buying groups. If when, when he, when he's negotiating that contract with, with a manufacturer, um, that is all cash up front. So we'll say it's like a thousand tons. We'll just use a, a general number and it's, uh, it's, uh, it's, it's five, uh, $500 a ton, right? That's, uh, half a million dollars uh, that he's he's coming up with in cash up front to get that done, right? Some distributors, and the way he's he's going to put that out is that he's probably going to demand the most most of that up front in cash as well too, because he's he's all cash up front. There are definitely some distributors out there that are in cash positions that can make those kind of purchases, 
and uh, and and get you some some good deals on fertilizer because of it, right? Uh, and typically, those reps are going to be in positions of being able to work with you on fertilizer prices. So, but they're going to have to make it up somewhere because you know margins in fertilizer right now is bad, 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 bad. Uh, sales reps in in uh, turf and ornamental distributors, uh, in like regional distributors, uh, are like five, ten percent margins right now, maybe fifteen. Yeah. Margins are razor thin, and a lot of times it's because the way they're having to source from blenders and 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 people is that they're dealing with some old stock, they're dealing with some new stock, and so it is it, the pricing is not okay right now. And everyone expects it to be okay, and they're all competing against each other with shit, shit raw material prices, uh, and and so the margins right now are wicked low. So you might see, you know, slightly higher prices on pesticides because there's no margin to to operate a business in uh, on just fertilizer sales alone. Okay. So some distributors are going to be in a cash position to do that. Other ones are not going to be in a cash position to do that. And they need terms in order to buy that, right? Uh, say you go and you're, you're buying a tractor trail load. So that's, that's going to be 24 tons, right? And you know, that, that 24 tons, you know, costs you 10 grand or whatever. And they're, they're extending to you three month terms on that 90 days. So that's 90 days, you know, that effectively they can't account on that, on that cash coming in. But their bills are due cash in advance. Well, maybe they've got terms. They got 30-day terms. That would, that would be a good 30-day turnaround term, maybe 60 if it's a real tight relationship, right? So they're having to cover that cash flow until they get paid from you. That interest that they're going to have to pay to cover that cash flow, a lot of times is going to be reflected in the pricing that you get, right? Um, and in a lot of these internal workings, you you are probably not going to be privy to, but uh, again, you know, when you approach your distributor, like Demay is is talking about, and having a very honest conversation with them about forecasting, and they tell you where they can work on things and can't work on things, you can start to put this together. But I just want you to understand how the payment schedule goes from a cash flow perspective yep. on manufacturer to the distributor, right? So you've got manufacturer, then you got broker broker typically to a buying group and then buying group to distributors. Okay. So those are three cash transactions that occur before you even get the opportunity to buy into it. Sometimes it goes from a distributor to a blender, or sometimes it goes from a buying group to a blender, then a distributor. So now those four uh, uh, cash transactions before it touches you. So when they're extending 90 day terms to you, you better expect that you're going to have to pay a premium on that because of the amount of cash flow that has to get covered getting up to you being responsible for your bill, right? And I'm not saying don't try to negotiate terms. If, if that is what's going to help you cash flow your business, do it. And, but just I'm just saying is that if you have to pay $16.50 for a bag of fertilizer when your buddy's paying $14 for it, but he's paying cash up front, don't get your feelings hurt. Good point. And also, don't get up and and don't get uh, upset when your buddy is also able to warehouse on his premises all five or ten tons of his order versus. Yep, that too. You only only taking half a pallet 
or just one pallet at a time. I mean, that's that's the difference. Yeah, now a fourteen dollar bag of fertilizer goes to sixteen fifty, then it goes to eighteen, right? By the time that they're exactly. having to warehouse it for you, you're using ninety day terms to pay for it. You you see how it starts to add up real quick, and it it's yeah, not so it's, fair. It's not fair to you to go to your sales rep and call them a fucking asshole when you don't get me wrong. You're putting your sales rep to work for you, but if you're going to make them, if you're going to work their dick into the ground over over all of that. Then you're gonna mm-hmm. you're gonna have to pay them for it, right? You're gonna have it's to like pay you, them for it, and yeah, yeah. And here's the here's the thing is that this is where, all right. Uh, why the fudge are you sweating over a four dollar a bag difference, and that goes back to exactly what we were talking about earlier in this show in that the reason why that $4 difference is weaking you the hell out is because a either you don't know your actual costs and expenses or B you do know them or you've realized them and you realize that you are now underwater because Matt, do you know why, for example, I don't get wigged out, freaked out, and I'm not bitching about the cost of materials? Do you know why I never bitch about that? Why? Because those costs, the cost of materials has been more than covered for in all cases. Yep. Okay, It's been, it's been more than covered for. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the thing from a pricing standpoint, you know, we, we talked about pricing a couple shows ago and, mm-hmm. and understanding the products and how to compare those prices is another thing that I think it's lost on people. So l- let's talk about here. We, we've got, you know, 20 ish or so minutes left or, or something like that, but let's talk about how we compare prices. Right. So, um, okay. Like fertilizer, for example. You know, we mm-hmm. can look at a few different things. If you're looking at strictly the bag price, you have done fucked up. Bad. 100%. <laughs> bad, 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 bad. Terrible, terrible. Get out of it. Nothing. Yeah. Bad, you, Get out of the industry. Prices, <laughs> yeah. you, you might as well. You might as well go tell your wife that her sister's ass is just hot as fuck. <laughs> it, it's, 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 gonna, it's gonna end about as well there as it is for you It'll in end the business. Sa- it's gonna end, it's gonna end the same way, isn't it? Yeah. It's gonna end the I mean, same way. She's got a nice so, ass. I mean, just, just facts are facts. Even if she does even if she does have a nice ass, it's still gonna end badly. So the the whole point is is again, know your agronomics as well. I mean, if you know, know actually your, know your agronomics. Yeah. Uh, go ahead. Yeah, know your agronomics because that knowledge is extreme power because I got asked a question recently, for example, that parlays into what we've been discussing for the last month is that I got asked, why should I pay more for AMS? I got asked that question, you know, why should I pay more per unit of nitrogen for AMS. 
And my answer to that question was, it is because when you buy AMS, you are buying more than just N. Because you can go ahead and buy urea, 4600, or 3400 ammonium nitrate, even if you can get a hold of it. But now, if you happen to need the second element that the AMS is carrying, now what do you have to buy and apply to backfill that second element that you actually need? How do you do it where, you know, you got to kind of think, what is the most economical way to check all of those, you know, boxes to where I need A, B, and C? How do I do it? And how do I do it in a way that works? And also, how do I do it for a reasonable price, all things considered? Right? I mean, that's what I mean by people that are doing this. You really have to know your agronomics. You got to know your actual agronomics and think about it in those terms because. Uh, Otherwise, we're going to fall victim to the shiny object syndrome. So cost per bag is not the same as cost per thousand or cost per acre. Right. Correct. Yeah. Cost Correct. per bag is uh, kind of a meaningless uh, figure in that you then ask yourself, okay, so how much area am I covering? And what? kind of benefits am i getting out of this product what, yeah, what are my actual benefits <laughs> what, what else were you going to say about it ray i mean uh, ryan because i there's just one thing i'm going to add to it but i want to hear what you say first no i think i think there's different ways so like let's talk about fertilizer real quick i mean uh you know dr shaddix did that paper uh and we can link it up here in the show notes i think he's talked to us about it before now, granted, it's down in Florida, and he's comparing, you know, polymer coat with, you know, a uh, a standard urea, right? And, mm-hmm. and again, not so much the 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 quality differences or whatever, but he used a metric that was essentially not just days of response, but days with acceptable turf quality, right? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. as you start to look at your programs, you know, well, why is it? You know, ask those questions. Well, why is it that I apply fertilizer every six weeks? You know is that merely a production schedule or are there other ways right that we can uh use either less expensive products and stay on that same interval okay and those might be things that you can track your cost per day and is it acceptable or not in certain cases or and also or oh go ahead go ahead or or ask yourself if the cost of attempting to extend those application intervals just ain't damn worth it do a better program and charge accordingly that's the other option too is that you know do do your rounds based on your agronomic program do not and you know i think we talked about this um in the pricing talk that we did (laughs) was do not try to compete and say well well well, true green does seven rounds i'm gonna do seven rounds too if your program is six or if it's eight or if it's 10, do it how you need to do it. Right. And, and sell on the yeah. quality of it. And you know, the, uh, the differences that, that exist right there. So 
um, you know, we, we've talked about this before with different pesticides. Well, wait a second. Let me, let me make sure Matt understands what I'm talking about here. I'm talking about fucking herbicides and pesticides, Matt. Both of them. You hear me? <laughs> <laughs> what's that what's that old line from uh matt doesn't know blues brothers ray but we got both kinds of music here country and western Mm. (laughs) (laughs) yeah (laughs) Mm. so listen on those we've preached this matt has dozens of whiteboard videos and things like that talking about the the idea of using two modes of action we've talked before about identifying the pests that you actually face that you're using the right product not just being like well we got weeds so he's going to spray the broadleaf mix what's in that oh it's got three-way well uh-huh what about, this, what about this clover and cleeping charlie over here what's going to happen with that mm-hmm. some broadleaf a broadleaf mix will take care of it uh mm-hmm. you sure about that mm-hmm. uh, i don't know if not you know what we'll do mm-hmm. is just, we'll, we'll, we'll just come back and we'll spray broadleaf mix on again two apps i'll clean it right up <laughs> you know and then Ryan, the lawn then the lawn barber comes out from the bush he just pruned yep i mean and this is like going even hey guys further into this into this rabbit hole of you need to you know people need to also evaluate is my program actually accomplishing what it needs to accomplish? Or do I need to work outside of the box? Because, uh, Ryan, we had a conversation a few nights ago about a rather out-of-the-box kind of a program, didn't we? We did. I mean, where, where, it's like, where it's like basically... Among the four of us in that conversation, we said, you know what? We don't care about what the big companies do. We're going to do something that works and also doesn't kill anybody's lawn. How's that? Yeah. yeah, And I think that's the other thing, too, is that, you know, knowing what those costs are, are important from that, because how do I say this? One. Special situations, right? You're going to get yourself into situations that customer needs you to work out of, asks you to work out of, or you just realize, oh, shit, I messed up and I need to work myself out of these situations. Knowing what yeah. those pivots are and what those costs are, how to charge appropriately mm-hmm. for them if they're outside the scope of your normal program, that's important. Shiny object syndrome, real bad here. Matt is a <laughs> self-professed uh, early adopter. I am too. Have made... uh Hundreds of thousands, if not in the low seven figures of mistakes, applying proper, you know, products that were guaranteed to do X, Y, or Z, or, you know, came highly recommended to do X, Y, Z, you know, figure, figure out, and that's a whole nother topic for another time, figure out ways to incorporate those, those into your program on a very small scale, prove concept in your particular situation before you widely adopt such technologies but i cannot stress enough and i know the rest of the guys here cannot stress enough the the uh value in being able to accurately id the type of grass that you're on accurately id um weeds diseases insects that you're seeing in the lawn or conditions that 
are predisposed to those types of things so that you can make good judgments, good product choices, things like that. Being able to say, hey, you know what? I got that one route in that uh, that neighborhood that all the homes are like 100 years old and the lawns have been pretty well taken care of. I could probably throttle back on the fertilizer there, right? Or, hey, yeah. I'm going into the subdivision here where this, you know, the soil was runny dog shit before the bulldozer rolled over it and made it hard again. And I probably need to up some of my fertilizer, you know, inputs in mm-hmm. that situation, or maybe use different ones than what I'm currently using. So those are the things that will pull those levers and make that cogs look a little bit different for you at the end of the year. Because ultimately, right, gentlemen, is that the season to season value of a customer, the lifetime value of the customer. <sighs> is absolutely the most important thing. And if you ain't getting the results and you're not communicating what you're doing and why you're doing it and how you're different, you lost them. You're going to lose them at some point and that churn is going to start and that churn, and Matt will tell you this too, boy, when it starts, you know, at that person that, that, that that says, Oh, I'm canceling you lawn boy. You know, (laughs) they're going to tell two of their friends and they're going to tell two of their friends and that shit will ripple through your business not good yeah, it'll, it'll ripple and you know that is going to become yet another high cost because i know it was figured somewhere in matt's spreadsheet but now you got to figure in a new cost or increased costs in the areas of customer acquisition and customer onboarding I mean, that's just yet another cost that needs to be accounted for. And in any business, what's going to happen or what I, what I am aware of is how if you need to emphasize more resources in one area, that is going to have an effect on the rest of the business. And it's just un avoidable and what i try to tell people that are thinking about being in this business or the people that are already in this business is the most expensive customer is the one that you lose that is the most expensive one because then you need to replace that person and if you keep on needing to replace people then what happens is you are constantly in this situation where it's brand new brand new lawn and my experience with brand new lawns is that brand new lawns or lawns that are brand new to me require the most attention the first two years so therefore it is in my best interest not to lose them so that I can get my money back on them in the next five to 10 years. <laughs> this is, and I just, I kind of want to say this just to wrap up in, you know, we've, we've thrown a lot of information at you, but the, the other, and uh, the other thing is I'll update the spreadsheet that we've had some good negotiations. We brought our cogs down and then we'll see how that affects our business. Right. Uh, so we'll go over that next week. The other thing too is that you know we were talking about bag price, you know, and cost per thousand. 
Um, even though, you know, there's, there's lots of things we're throwing at you. And the one thing that I think is, is also critical that you never forget is that don't forget your common sense. If it doesn't seem like it makes sense, there's probably a reason that you shouldn't trust your gut on that. You should trust your gut on that. And, uh, and, and just double check with somebody, right? So for example, for example, you get a quote, you're, or, um, is one of the fun things that I'll, I'll say has happened. I'm not going to say the distributor that it was, but they handed out a liquid fertilizer program for their guys that did liquids. Right. And, uh, mm. for example, you know, you see that they are selling a 3200 liquid and the use rate on it is 64 ounces per thousand. And that is your nitrogen app, uh, twice in the spring and twice in the fall. Right. You look at your cost per thousand on that and you're like, man, that is crazy cheap. I'm at 18 cents a thousand or whatever for that application. I want you to take this in, into consideration whenever you're dealing with liquids, right? Is that uh, when you're dealing with liquids, anyone who tells you a liquid is cheaper, remember this, to manufacture a liquid, you're dissolving granular fertilizer into water. Okay. <laughs> uh, simply put. <laughs> pound for pound per unit of nitrogen, it is impossible for liquid fertilizer to be uh, cheaper than granular fertilizer. Okay, that's just one thing to keep in the back of your head. But when you see these rates, you also have to equate it to the amount of nitrogen that you need to be putting down, right? Whether you're using growth probability to come up with that, uh, historical context, however it is you determine what your nitrogen rates would, would, would need to be for the season, you have to plug those prices that you have, your bag price, your you, to to the rates that you need, not the rates that are on the bag, not the rates that a sales rep tells you to apply it at, uh, not the claim that you know a tenth of a pound is going to have the same ninety day duration as uh, nine tenths of a pound, because if it feels like it doesn't make sense. How are you going to make 0.1 pounds act the exact same as 0.9 pounds? You can't. That's not possible. It doesn't make sense. And so it's okay to trust your gut on that. Double check with guys like us. And uh, if you need it, and I, and I promise, if you think you're the only one that has that question, you're not, I get it a lot. And I, and I gladly love to answer that question because it's, it's sometimes you start to second guess yourself and you're like, well, I don't know. Let me just try it. It's so cheap. I might as well just do it. Well, it was cheap, but then you ended up losing 94 customers over it. And like Ray just said, the most expensive customer you have is the one you lose, right? And, uh, and so, yeah, you saved a ton of money on that round, but you ended up losing uh, you know, uh, uh, $90,000 in gross revenue as a result of it, right? So did you really save any money? No, you ended up burning a lot of cash. You set it all on fire right there in an effort to improve your cogs. So trust your gut on these things. Use your agronomic sense. Use your common sense. And let that be a guidance as well as everything else we're throwing on you. We're trying to build this on you as reasonably as, as we can. And I know it's a shit ton of information, but the reality of it is, is that this is the downtime. You need to be stuffing your brain with this every day. Snow's on the ground. You can't go out. You need to be stuffing your brain with this. Learn it. Put it into practice. Do it every day. Put your expenses on a spreadsheet. I will share a link, not to the spreadsheet that we built, but the uh, the one uh, that I'm I'm using here. 
and it is called the uh, the score forecast spreadsheet. You can go to score.org to get it. I'm going to go ahead and throw a link to it in here. If you've never done this, it is difficult the first time, but once you do it and you understand it, you need to update this every month for your business. If you can do it every two weeks, even better. The bigger you get, the more frequently you need to do it. Any change you have happen, any sales campaign you have happen, any additional expense that you didn't account for, you need to update this and be vigorous about it. When we talk about knowing your numbers, you should be able to, once you get this built out, update it every Friday and know exactly where every dollar you spend goes. That is the key to building wealth. That is the key to building a successful business. Okay. Then as we start, as you start learning all these other things, like, you know, uh, building a healthy relationship, being able to buy smarter, being able to leverage buying power, being able to leverage your relationships in the industry, it's going to make these updates you do to your forecasting spreadsheet so much more exciting because you see what your return on investment is. And then you become even more strategic about every decision you make in the future. That, that is what's going to be the difference maker between you and everyone else. What were you going to say, Demay? I saw, I, man, you got no, a, no, you got no, a, nothing, a no. grin on your face. Okay. No, nothing. We'll, 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 we'll do it live on Sunday. All right. Hey, that was a lot of information. That was pretty good. I, I enjoyed going around around. We didn't even talk about a lot of stuff there's there's a lot of stuff we can go and unpack here and listen um this isn't for everybody it's probably kind of either boring or eye-opening for our uh diyers and that's okay like we're we're here for everybody but uh like matt said with from the pro standpoint these are things too that i think some of these concepts apply or whatever but uh if you're a pro 100 right now is the time this is the off season this is when champions are built uh man up woman up Learn your craft, right? Anybody can sell, anybody can market, anybody can go out there and uh, say they own a business, but to really own that business, you need to uh, understand how those levers get pulled, why they get pulled, and ultimately uh, keep yourself in business. So, all right, ladies and gentlemen, it is now time to go to the after show. If you, well, I don't know, we said a lot of swear words like, you know, fuck and scat. Is scat a swear word? I just think it's a bad word. Um, we've said a lot of bad things, but we'll say even worse things in the after show. And the only, only way that you're going to have access to that is if you go over and check us out, www.patreon.com forward slash burn return. Uh, it's about the cost of a gallon of gas right now to join. Uh, and you can go all the way up to the cost of a hamburger and French fries there at 1999, whatever you think you can, uh, throw at that, uh, it supports a lot of different things, a lot of great things. Uh, our St. Jude Cancer uh, Research Charity thing that we do each year, uh, our scholarship that we hand out, uh, we'll be handing out our third one here, boys, in 2024, if you can believe that, uh, and our live event in Louisville, which will be occurring uh, here in uh, nine short months. We'll be there in Louisville. So can't wait for that, and can't wait for you to come listen to us motherfuck a whole bunch of people on the after show. Bye. <laughs> I like the smell. I like the smell. That's...